We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Welcome back to another edition of Butting Heads, a Ramstalk Radio podcast. I usually don't word it like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez, as always. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night, a little earlier than the, the Tuesday night time. But, uh, Johnny, no matter what here, we're 3-1. and one. <laughs> It doesn't feel bad. This is, uh, what, the third, fourth straight year we've been 3-1? and one? Yeah, something like that. Uh I have my thoughts on this game, as I'm sure you do, so I'm real excited to get into this one. Yeah, it's uh, in doing the math in my head, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, I think it's five straight years of 3-1s to varying results. We've had as many as 13 wins in that stretch, and we've had as little as four uh, wins in that five-year period, uh, but we, I, I think we could say this team is clearly better than that four and twelve team from twenty sixteen. Although maybe not after the performance we just watched on Sunday, which was just, just awful. Uh, you know, it's and and uh, in my, I wrote a takeaways article if you want to read it on Rams Wire. It's. Like last week, kind of felt like a moral victory, in in a loss, and this week, like in a win, it kind of feels like a moral defeat, uh, because it was really just not not what you like to see for probably fifty six out of the sixty minutes of the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly you. You pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. The uh, <laughs> I've never felt. 
better from a loss than I did from a victory uh, back to back like this. It's it's actually extraordinary because <laughs> it almost feels like a loss. It really does. But uh, we'll we'll get more into that in a little bit. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, you know obviously like if you listen to last week's pod, uh, which if you haven't. I, I would not recommend going back because it's probably pointless at this time. Um, I, I, we obviously our predictions for the game did not age well, but before the game, I I did say after watching the Giants play the Forty ers that their defense was not that bad and their offense was horrible, and I think both of those takes played out like as accurately as they could have. A clear like. We played it horrible on offense, uh, you know, but you you got to give them a little. You got to give the Giants credit because their defense played really well. Uh, and, and they they shut down more or less one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, we will discuss how much credit they deserve for doing that, but look, it happened, and they were on the other side of the field. So, you know, you can't sit here and say that they don't deserve any credit because clearly they do. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, God, we were just trying to hand them the game at every every turn and our defense played great but like truly just a horrifyingly bad New York Giants offense uh so I I feel pretty proud of myself for taking the right takeaways from that 49ers game that I watched yeah you, you deserve uh you deserve a little bit of props there because you did mention about the defense defense uh for the Giants did show up to play clearly and uh, you did mention how bad the Giants' offense was, although I think most of us kind of already knew that part. But uh, the the defense, I don't think many of us knew, myself included. No, they're, they're, it's not it's not a bad defensive unit. Uh, should we have like should we have only had what two hundred passing yards and sixty rushing yards? I mean, no. We're a much better team than they are, but we, during the last week's pod, we basically said, like, I basically said, it would have, like, if we lost this game, there would just be, like, serious, serious issues with this team, and the good news is we didn't, because, like, everything that could have went wrong, my in, minus injuries, essentially happened, and uh, here, we, we still came out on top, so, like, <laughs> I... We're, we're going to obviously, if you listen to the show before, if you're new, we are going to shit all over the Rams in this episode, more than likely. But just know that, like, we both still believe in, I mean, speaking for me, and I'm sure I'm speaking for you too, Johnny, we both believe in this team. Like, bad teams, or good teams have bad games. Bad teams have good games. It's the NFL, it happens. Uh, but this, to me, this was a case of a good team having a bad game. Uh, there are some... Things that happen that should raise some minor alarms, but uh, I'm not I'm not sounding the panic button. This isn't like last year's three and one team. I think this is a legitimately good football team. And, and just there's just too much evidence to to, to disagree with that. Uh, I apologize if you guys can hear my dishwasher in the background. Uh, I did not want to have to pause it, so. We might have a uh, little waterworks happening in the back. But anyways, so uh, let, let's dig into this game a little bit. Talk about, you know, what we saw that might have, uh, you know, long-lasting impacts or affect us for the rest of the league or the rest of the season. And, you know, it, you can't really start anywhere but uh, with Sean McVay. I, this might have been his worst coaching game since – the Super Bowl, uh, and and just the mo- maybe the most frustrating performance by an offense by by a Rams unit under Sean McVay since that game. Really, just like just uninspiring play calling. Uh, Jared Jared Goff only missed seven passes. Uh, twenty five for thirty two. He was average six point three yards per completion. So that right there, you get you get a lot of the story. It was a lot of short passes. Uh, a lot of screen games. When he looked deep, it wasn't often, and it, quite honestly, it wasn't pretty. He didn't have a great game, uh, but just, just like so, it's just so many, so many questionable play calls. 
they knew the screens were coming. They defended the screens well. We continued to do it. Uh, we didn't run the ball a lot. It wasn't that effective when we did, but I think we can talk about that later. Um, but just like, and I wrote wrote in my recap article. There's, and I I think I tweeted out there. There's a play. It was when we were trying to burn clock late in the game before we gave them the ball back. We we were just we were just trying to burn clock, get them to call timeouts. Sean McVay dials up a jet sweep to Cooper Cup. He gets the ball. There's no room to run, and he ends up running horizontally down the line of scrimmage and winds up getting pushed out of bounds. And it was just like the whole story of this game offensively. It was a bad play call by Sean McVay. It was bad execution by the offense. There was no room for him to run, and it was bad, just bad decision making by Cooper Cup to not just not even just fall in bounds to let yourself get out of bounds there is just unbelievable and to dial up a play where it's not that unbelievable to imagine the guy going out of bounds in that scenario is equally as bad and it's just it was just just tough tough to watch offensively from a team that was really on fire for three straight games yeah, to kind of add to that, the one of the most annoying aspect of the whole game. I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head on 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 all fronts there. Was the lack of creative play calling because you have an offensive minded, uh, creative genius in Sean McVay, and you'd never know it looking at this game. It, it literally was like looking at the Super Bowl, uh, you know, a couple years back. <laughs> I I really don't understand a lot of the play calling in this game. Granted, I think a lot of it is due to the limitations of the offensive line. You know, as much as we say it's improved, and, and it has, it's still not an elite offensive line. Let's not get carried away here. So I think in a way it's kind of good that Sean McVay is aware of this and doesn't really want to take too many chances. But at some point you're going to have to because if you don't, you know, you're you're going to have a game basically like this. And against a much better opponent, we're looking at a much different outcome here. We're lucky that this happened against the Giants. It, like I said, if it's against literally any other team, I, I think the Rams lose this game. Well, Johnny, any other team that doesn't play in the same stadium as the Giants. Yes, I agree. Uh, <laughs> there is one other team in the NFL I think we would have beaten this week. Wow. Uh, the Jets? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, they're both so bad. But other <laughs> beyond those two teams, yeah, I think any team in the NFL would have beaten it. I mean, if we play this way against Washington, I don't know if we win. Uh, It's just those two New York teams. But, yeah, go ahead. No, I I completely agree with you. Our our next opponent being the Washington football team, um, or the Huskies, as I like to call them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah, I completely agree that the the Rams would probably lose to them. But, yeah, just to finish up my thought here, um, what was really frustrating too was the fact that it was completely reliant on a passing game that was just not that effective in the short passes and seeing them do it over and over <laughs> when clearly there was even a couple of times where, where golf really got lucky. It wasn't a pick six. And I, I and again I, I have to reiterate against a better team it would have been. So yeah, um, can't see this anymore this season. Otherwise, it's going to re- result in a loss. Uh, maybe they can do this against the Jets. I I, I I don't know. We'll see. Who we do play? <laughs> we we do get we the do Jets play. later in the season. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was just so it was so frustrating to watch, and and the funny thing is we led the whole game, like because the Giants are so bad, like it ne- it honestly never felt like this game was in doubt, which is just insane 
to say, given how he played, and also, like, it's great as a longtime Rams fan. Uh, it took us a long time to get to this point where you're playing this bad, no matter who we're playing, and the game is never really in doubt. Uh, we led the whole game. So uh, g- good on them in that aspect, at least. And um, we could talk about one of the positives, which, or maybe, like, really only positive, which was the, the defensive performance here. And, and there are some negative stuff I, I, I didn't like on the defense, but we'll start. I think the big positive was the passing defense as a whole. Now, I know you're playing the Giants, but it was straight up. For, for the majority of the game, it was locked down on their receivers. Uh, Evan Ingram caught some passes, but he only had 35 yards. So, I mean, Darius Slayton had one 33-yard reception, and beyond that, nothing over 20 yards. Uh, no player over 50 yards. Daniel Jones on the day only threw for 190 yards. Uh, we and, and and we sacked him five times. And you know the the secondary. I think you've come to expect it from them, even without Jordan Fuller in this matchup. Like you, you still expect it. Um, Jalen Ramsey played great. Darius Williams played great. He had that game-winning interception. John Johnson. Uh, was phenomenal in this one. He was all over the place making tackles. It felt like he was everywhere. But the the pass rush, I think, is the big surprise. And one of the knocks on this team through the first three games was that Aaron Donald's playing his ass off. He's getting double teamed almost every play. You know, the guys next to him need to start actually getting pressure and getting sacks. And in this game, they did. They, they sacked Daniel Jones five times, only a half of those came by Aaron Donald so the the rest of the Rams had more sacks in this game than they did in the first three games combined uh guys getting on the action Greg Gaines had half a sack uh Samson Ibukam had half a sack Michael Brockers Bani Alcaranquo Morgan Fox they all had their own sacks uh it was and Justin Collins had a sack too it was just great to see those guys play that well and some some promise and some good things from Justin Hollins and Okoronko, especially a guy that we believed in for a long time, uh, and there just wasn't really any evidence that he could actually do it at a high level. In this game, I think this was his best game of the year. He he played a lot. It seems like he's creeping up on Samson Ibukam for that for that starting spot alongside Leonard Floyd, who I think he had a he had a good game here as well. He he had a sack get called back by uh, a pass interference, but. It was really encouraging to see this. I think we needed to see this. Even though it was against the Giants, it was good to just see a pulse from these guys and uh, probably for for their mojo, too, to actually get some sacks on the board. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tend to agree there. You know, I, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because, it, like you said, it is the Giants. But it's still, it still kind of boosts the morale a little bit, you know, just to see – some kind of action going there, seeing Aaron Donald not being the only guy, you know, creating some kind of pressure for the quarterback. For the most part, Daniel Jones was not comfortable at all in this game, and it showed, you know. It was one of the reasons why the secondary was as, I mean, they're a a pretty good unit themselves. So, um, of course, they did their thing. But in terms of Daniel Jones just... He couldn't stay in the pocket. He was constantly moving around and, you know, even himself had to resort to, you know, running the ball. I think he ended up with like 45 yards or something like that. Yep, 45 yards. And he's yeah. he's a good runner too. So uh, it, 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 you come to expect that a little bit. But I will say, even though it is a Giants, this is the most sacks they've given up in a game all year. And they played Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Francisco. So, you know, those are... Those are all good defenses. The the 49ers are obviously banged up, but I, I think it does mean something. Uh, we'll see we'll, how they look against the real team, which as we'll get to later, might not be for a while. Uh, but, it, yeah, it, it, they, I think they needed this. Defensively, I think, you know, it, this is not really the game that you want your backs up against the wall and playing with a lead and trying not to let go of that lead. But they, uh, after that first half against Buffalo, I think this was really encouraging for us to see because they won us this game, the defense. Uh, they The offense was doing them no favors. New, New York, one time of possession, 
pretty pretty easily. I think it was uh, 33 minutes to 26 minutes, which doesn't sound like a ton, but that kind of is a lot. Uh, it was, you know, they they outgained us on offense. They had the they, by all accounts, they should have won this game, and the defensive performance just didn't let them. And I know it's the Giants, but you know you got to feel good about that at the very least. I think what part of me what makes me feel better about this whole ordeal is, as Steve mentioned, all those names, you know, guys like Oboe, even a guy like Justin Hollins, who we're not expecting much from stepping up to make a big sack there that's you know that's something positive there because that means there's options behind our starters whether it be samson ibukam leonard floyd there's options and then of course we're all waiting patiently waiting for uh terrell lewis to come back from his injury and uh it's looking more and more likely he might come back this week might not saying it's gonna happen but uh, it seems like he might come back this week for week five. So having another option in, you know, the on the, coming off the bench or maybe if he performs well enough, takes over the starting job eventually, that is going to help later down the line. And getting these guys' confidence up against some of these uh, other teams that aren't necessarily elite teams – it's key because the, the that's the type of feeling you want them to feel when they're going up against the elite, the more elite teams like the San Francisco 49ers, like the Seattle Seahawks, you know, that that's exactly what we need. So um, I'll finish it up with this. Uh, I, I'm going to say that it, it was certainly a benefit to seeing um, some kind of pressure. And if the Rams continue to have this kind of pressure, against quarterbacks and not having them comfortable in the pocket, you know, this this is going to be a very good defense and might keep the Rams in games should the uh, offense play as lackluster as they did um, this past week. Yep, and uh, really the only, you know, they gave up some points against Dallas, they gave up some points against Buffalo, but those are two very good offenses. And in the case of Buffalo, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, but yeah, the just to quickly hit the snap counts. Leonard Floyd played fifty nine snaps. Okoronko played thirty. Ibukam played twenty one. Justin Hollins played twenty, and Jakai Play played six. So Ibukam seems like he's losing control of that spot. I don't think he's gonna find himself out of the rotation. He's he's all right, but uh, it's good to see somebody you know taking that spot from him because. That's that we kind of been waiting for that to happen for like years. It feels like because we've always looked at Abukam as more of a a third guy in the rotation, not the starter. Um, so, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it's what it what his role should be. It's always worked best when he was kind of that rotational guy, and I I just don't think he's an effective starter. No offense to him. But it's not to say he's not talented. He's going to make plays here and there. But uh, we really need somebody to step up to kind of take this job away from him. And uh, hopefully it's Oboe or, you know, somebody else, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I kind of interrupted there. Go go for it, Steve. Dude, interrupt me whenever you want, man. It's uh... – <laughs> Jesus, my, I think my laugh came out really loud there. Uh, it's it's part of the show. Uh, I butt in on you. You butt in on me whenever. Um, I see what you did there. <laughs> that's the name of the show. Um, yeah, well, and we'll talk about – we'll keep an eye on this. I think it is going to be Oboe that takes that spot. Um, but I, we do got to talk about the run defense here. And on, on the day, I think we gave up. 136 yards rushing which you know isn't bad but consider who we were playing we are playing the worst run defense or the worst rushing attack in the NFL uh pretty pretty clearly like pretty easily the worst the worst running rushing attack in the NFL I think the only backfields that really even compare and how bad they are are the Dolphins and the Jets without Le'Veon Bell. 
and we gave up 136 yards. Now, you could easily say 45 of them came against Daniel Jones. You know, this defense isn't built really to stop rushing quarterbacks, and that's another thing. But sure, you even take that away, and the most rushing yards this team had before this game was 75 yards. We gave up 135 yards, and you take away the Daniel Jones rushing yards, it's still 90, which is more than... You know, they've had in a game all season, even counting the Daniel Jones yards, even counting the games where Saquon Barkley was on the field. And, like, the personnel here, man, like, Wayne Gallman, the corpse of Devonta Freeman, and Deion Lewis is their backfield. It's just, you know, it, this is a minor alarm for me. I'm not going to sound the sirens, but we've been a, a mediocre run defense all year. Not the best, not the worst. But we have a clear, you know, Ashawn Robinson is not there. We signed him to be a run defender. But either way, I like we have a we have clear holes at inside linebacker. We've been saying this since what feels like years, but has been amplified since Corey Littleton left. Uh, and we've been saying since March we need to bring in new linebackers. We have brought in zero new inside linebackers. We've expected the team to continue with more one lineback one inside linebacker formations rather than two like they did with Littleton and that really hasn't been the case uh Micah Kaiser played 65 percent of the snaps in this game and he went out in with an injury in the second second half so beyond him Kenny Young played 34 snaps 50 percent and then Troy Reader played 26% of the snaps. So if you add those numbers up, they are, it's a two linebacker sets a lot of the time. Not not all the time, but a lot of the time. And Micah Kaiser's been okay. Uh, he's been a decent run stopper, but we have no depth at this position. And you take away Micah Kaiser, like what happened in this game, and you're, you're trotting out Kenny Young and Troy Reader. Uh, and like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, we're doomed on run defense like this, this is going to keep us out of contention, but it's just, it feels like a serious concern. And in my opinion, the, the biggest concern on the team, it's like, I don't know, man. It just, it was so predictable that this would be a problem and it was just never addressed. And we're just we're sitting here now, just you know, I Micah Kaiser's day to day, but Johnny, as you said to me before the show, Cam Akers has been day to day for about a month and hasn't played. Uh, it's you know, if he's out, I you're stuck with Kenny Young and Troy Reader, who are like they're not it. Uh, they're they're okay rotational players, I guess, but Troy Reader wasn't even playing at all until uh kaiser's injury so they clearly are not big, the biggest fans of him it it, it it just it feels like this could have been avoided and it wasn't and i don't know if it's going to be a major problem down the line but you know you look at how this in a day where the defense performed really well they gave up the best rushing performance of the year to the worst rushing team in the NFL I just I, I don't love it I, I don't love seeing that so I I I tend to agree that you don't want to see really too much rushing yards for a team like the the Giants and like you said taking 45 yards away from this game because Daniel Jones it was basically desperation and, and he, for, he can move too. Like I, I don't can. think giving up forty-five yards to him is a real problem. No, and it's not. I mean, e even if you look at his uh, at, at his runs, it was pretty common. You know, nothing too spectacular with his runs. Like he had a long of thirteen yards, which obviously is not something you want to see. But still, for a mobile quarterback against a you know, defense that doesn't handle um, mobile quarterbacks very well, that that's still not bad. Um, but still, if you're looking in the 90s for the uh, rushing yards for the Giants, it's a bit disappointing, but it's not 
enough to sound off the radar for me. However, one of the things we've been kind of harping on all off season and really ever since we lost Corey Littleton was how are we going to stop the run at all without any inside linebacker? And this is a concern because Micah Kaiser, while not perfect, he's an okay linebacker and, you know, him going out just kind of showed the biggest flaw of the defense and that's depth at that position one of the most aggravating things I had seen um, was, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was a, a Gallman run that Kenny Young just absolutely missed the tackle. And I believe that was the long, uh, the the longest run of the day for the Giants, too. Yep. 20, 26 yards. Yeah. And, and it, it was all because Kenny Young could not tackle him and it was just an awful attempt (laughs) it's just you know things like that that's frustrating because it was a problem that the Rams needed to address this offseason and I realized they didn't have a ton of cap space to really go after anybody but it's something that they knew was a problem and didn't address it and now it's it's a big concern you know, Micah Kaiser isn't exactly known for having a clean bill of health. You know, this is literally the first time he's had more than one game under his belt. So, you know, luckily this time it appears his injuries are minor, bearing in mind he doesn't have a setback and, you know, doesn't bust the Cam Akers and stay out for weeks instead of, you know, the day-to-day like they're predicting. But um, still, you know, that that is something that you really have to keep in mind heading forward, because while there are a lot of teams that the Rams are going to face that aren't exactly elite teams, there are going to be some, you know, really good running backs that they're going to face. And uh, that's something that really needs to be addressed and. Until Ashawn Robinson comes back, which won't be for a while, um, this is this is gonna be a concern. I'm not necessarily concerned from the results of this game. I mean, it wasn't the most uplifting thing to see, but I am more concerned about depth because it's gonna be a problem that they're gonna have all season long. And if anything should happen to Micah Kaiser the Rams rushing defense is pretty much screwed. Yeah. And you're going to be like, if you're trotting out Troy reader and Kenny young in a playoff game to guard Alvin Kamara, you're fucked. <laughs> to, put it, to put it bluntly. Uh, if you're trotting out Micah Kaiser to guard Alvin Kamara, you're already in trouble. So it's, we'll, we'll see. Like it, it's something to monitor more than something to, you know, sound the alarms. Um, my, I, I guess my last point on the defense, uh, he led the Taylor Rapp. He led the team in tackles today, but man, he, I just feel like he does not look good. I hate to say it. Uh, I don't really have like a, a rant here, but it's just a bummer to watch. Well, <laughs> that's my point. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, I, I have to. I have to um, admit that I didn't quite catch that because you're kind of going in and out for me. Um, uh, I said uh, it, it, it just, Taylor Rapp led the team in tackles, but like I feel like he's just been bad. Like it's a bummer to watch. It, it you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong, and it, and it's such a strange thing to see because last season he looked really good. He wasn't perfect or anything, but he looked like he was going to be a solid starter coming into the season. And then you realize that, you know, while Fuller has kind of taken his job, you kind of think, well, maybe he's just the more talented safety. And, and I do, I think that's the case because he was just a quality fine might be the steal of the draft, the way he's playing. Mm -hmm. But, um, (laughs) you, you don't expect to see, 
rep kind of diminish as much as he has because he's not making good decisions. He's not really playing good football, really. Uh, the tackles, while might seem impressive on the stat sheet, doesn't really say much. That's more of chase down tackles, which is not something you really want to see. So Taylor Rapp, um, I, I don't really know what to, to think about him. He, I guess he's a decent backup for now, but um, not not exactly something you wanted to see entering the season you know yeah and and you know this year with jordan fuller when jordan fuller we assume he comes back this week you know i don't think it'll be a problem and and getting fuller like you said may end up being the biggest deal of this draft and the sixth round uh starting caliber safety you know that's huge but if we are to let john johnson walk next year you know long team long term we are gonna need taylor rapp to to be an asset on this team and hopefully you can turn it around. You know, ha- sophomore slumps happen all the time. Uh, I mean, shit happened to Todd Gurley and the next two years he was an a- offensive player of the year, MVP type guy. So it happens. Hopefully he turns it around. Uh, kind of speaking of Todd Gurley. And I think really our last hit on this game, the last, the two games leading up to this, Daryl Henderson was just on fire uh, averaging over six yards of carry in those two games, uh, just balling out. It seemed like we finally had some clarity here within the Rams' backfield. You know, so naturally, uh, what we get in this game is Malcolm Brown leading in touches and leading in snaps by quite a margin in snaps. Uh, I think he played over 60% of the snaps. It's just like... There's no point of trying to predict this shit anymore. Like, we know nothing. Uh, if you own Daryl Henderson in fantasy, as I do, as I picked him up in a ton of leagues, who the fuck knows, man? Like, maybe they'll trot him out and get him the ball 20 times, or maybe he'll just be the third string running back again, like when Cam Akers was there. Uh, I, I just, I have no fucking clue. I, I, I don't know, and I don't think anyone does. It's just... It seemed like the Rams could use a spark in this game. It seemed like trying to get Daryl Henderson going would have helped that out. But Sean McVay is a smarter man than me. So I, I I trust him to an extent, even though this was a bad game from him. But I don't know, man. I, I just know I'm going to be fuming if like games like this happen where Malcolm Brown leads in touches and snaps like often because I don't think he's a better player and I've advocated that his pass protection is crucial but Daryl Henderson looked pretty damn good as a pass blocker when asked in this game so I don't even know what the case is well to kind of answer the question it's pretty much exactly what we were expecting kind of entering the season let me explain, though. So, entering the season, we kind of had a consensus thought that Cam Akers was maybe not going to be like a workhorse, but he would be the sort of quote-unquote feature back. Whereas Malcolm Brown will be, you know, that third down back slash, you know, red zone back. And Daryl Henderson would, in an essence, be like a gadget slash you know situational player and I think removing Cam Akers from the mix seriously altered you know Sean McVay's plans on how to run the offense now that's no excuse because Sean McVay should have a better grip on the offensive play I mean he did essentially against the Bills who was a far more superior team than the Giants and, you know, with with Daryl Henderson, I think he isn't really designed to be an every down back, but neither is uh, Malcolm Brown. So in a game where it was just such a offensive collapse, I think that's pretty much the result. I, I don't think it's necessarily a hit against uh, Brown or Henderson. I think it was just an offensive collapse for the entire, you know, offense. And uh you know, the L there 
doesn't go to anyone in particular on offense. It goes to Sean McVay, which he'll gladly tell you himself. So I think we'll get a better understanding when they bring in Cam Akers this week, who is reportedly supposed to play in week five. But um, we'll see. What started as a day-to-day injury has turned into a few weeks of him not playing. So um, I I expect him to play, though, just because I I felt like they just kept him out of this game just to, you know, keep him healthy, uh, make sure he was 100% healthy, just like Jordan Fuller, who apparently is going to play in this game as well. So – I think we'll get a better understanding exactly how this offense is going to be ran with the running backs. And I think it'll be exactly like Sean McVay said, while they'll have an idea going into the game, who's going to get the ball more. uh, They're essentially going to roll with the player who has the hot hand. And um, I think this all works better with all three of them in the lineup rather than, um, you know, one missing and especially Cam Akers being that one guy because he's supposed to be the starter. Yeah. So uh, those those are all great points. Um, and and we it does seem like we are you know clearly after this going to be full blown committee, uh, and especially when Akers comes back as you mentioned. But it, to me, this the frustrating thing was like Daryl Henderson coming off those two games. You know, if he were to have a bad game, like just a truly bad game. Then you know what you you swallow it and you move on. But it's just to see him. He he played thirty nine percent of the snaps and Brown played sixty one percent. It's just like that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth based on how he was playing. You know, it seems like that should have been flipped and Henderson should have been getting the chance to. You know, he had eight carries for twenty two yards. Is not great, but maybe you give him like fourteen and and see what happens because of how well he's been playing. Uh, yeah, he's definitely not built to be an every down back, but I would like to see him, you know, consistently being the guy who leads the team in snaps, unless a Malcolm Brown or a Cam Akers is truly cooking, which Malcolm Brown was not cooking in this game, like at all. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah, and the best play by either of them probably was uh, Daryl Henderson's 16-yard reception. So it was just frustrating to see, but. You know, it, it is. It will be a a committee for sure. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, with you, man. Before we move on from this game, I I don't have any takes on the Jalen Ramsey Golden Tate fight. Uh, I usually love talking about this stuff, but this one seems like truly a little fucked up and like actually actual bad blood and not like fake tough guy shit. Uh, for those that don't know, they're obviously. There's some personal history there. He, Jalen Ramsey popped Golden Tate uh, on that big play late in the game, and then apparently they had a actual fight on the field after the game, which I don't know if there's footage of. But this is, like, right up my wheelhouse, but I truly just don't have any takes on this. It's hard to have takes on something like this because it's one thing if it's just, you know, them shit-talking, it happens. I mean, hey... You, you had uh, Aaron Donald fighting with one of the offensive linemen for the Giants. I forget who it was. Uh, but, you know, that that's the kind of thing you you kind of expect, especially from a guy like Ramsey who is not afraid to run his mouth. Um, but this goes into another dimension when you're talking about the situation where there's so much personal bad blood here and – yeah, uh, if you really want to know, you can look it up yourselves. It's just such a personal situation that there really isn't much to say because then you're in, leading into uh, you know, being a spectator in this and not necessarily putting in facts. So, um, yeah, do it, do it what you will. But, yeah, I don't think there is true footage of it. I think the only thing you're going to actually see is – you know, the mob um, getting together to separate them. Uh, I don't I don't think we'll truly know who actually threw the first punch. Um, you know, there was reports that it was Ramsey, but that's all hearsay. So, uh, yeah, uh, nothing more to say other than that, really. 
Yep, it had to had to be mentioned though. Um, so I I did not watch the tape of the Washington football team. And by the way, I, I'm going to defend the the name real quick. I don't really have a whole rant, but rebranding is really difficult. And to rebrand a team name that has been around for how how long have they been in existence? Like eighty years, uh, you yeah. know. And in the circumstances of this change, you can't fuck it up. You can, but like, you can't fuck it up as a result of just rushing to change it. Um, and a lot of people have been like, well, why didn't they just keep the team name uh, for the season and then change it after? Well, that really would have negated the importance of changing this team name, uh, which had to go and has to go, has had to go for a long time. Uh, you could chalk it up to cancel culture if you want. But complaints about – if you look on Wikipedia, complaints about the Washington football team's former name go back to like 1960. So this is far dated any type of cancel culture movement. Uh, And you know what? I think in 10, 15 years, Washington football team merch is going to be kind of cool to have. It's going to be a weird little like divot in, in the team's history. Uh, I think it, they could have done a lot of worse, and honestly, their uniforms are fire. So, like, I will give them credit there. Like, they did the best they could given the circumstances. Uh, better circumstances would have been changing the team name years ago and taking time to rebrand over an off season. But it, we, it is what it is. Well, to tell you the truth, if I'm a Washington football fan. I'm buying like any type of merch that they have with this because it's going to be a collectible. Oh, you yeah. know, it, absolutely. Th- this will be a thousand percent a collectible. And if you're even the you know slightest bit of Washington football fan, you buy every bit of merch. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have fans um, there this season. I, I, I don't know if there was any fans last week or not. I, I think uh, they over- announced they're not going to or at least they did a while ago. Okay, yeah, so if you have a chance to go, I would say um, get as many of those uh, programs as possible because those are going to be worth big bucks. Yeah, uh, from what I've read, Johnny, it seems like there's a lot of cases rising in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, Just I, I think I've heard that. So I don't, I don't think they're gonna have fans. Uh, anyways, the so the, we got the Washington football team this week. They're one and three, uh, though they played the Eagles, Cardinals, Browns, and Ravens. Uh, the Cardinals and the Browns are, I would say, both decent. Uh, Cleveland just put up a monster game against Dallas. Uh, honestly, a statement win for them. They might be the team we thought they were gonna be last year, just a year later. Um, so it's it's not like they've they've lost to bad teams, uh, and they did beat the Eagles, which you know the Eagles aren't great, but they just beat the um, they just beat the our fucking divisional rival, uh, the Forty ers So it, it, it's interesting. It's a game where we should take care of business, I think, pretty easily. But we said that last week. Uh, this week we're going against. Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. He is the 34th highest graded quarterback on Pro Football Focus right now. Out of 35, Johnny, can you name 35? It's not Daniel Jones. Oh, man. Um, would that be Mitch Trubisky? No. Is he is he ranked, Mitch? Yeah. Mitch is actually ranked nineteen. So like I always say about these rankings. What? Yeah, take him with a take him with a slight grain of salt. But uh Brett Ripon is ranked thirty five, which feels uh, right. okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes... Probably a good call. <laughs> Although, like listen listen to the bottom five names because this is pretty funny. It's Jeff Driscoll at thirty one, Nick Mullins at thirty two, Dwayne Haskins at thirty four. Brett Ripon at 35, and at 33, in between those four guys, is Carson Wentz. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Um, But I I guess, like, the bigger thing, because Derek obviously will have a a preview pod 
uh, for this Washington game, which, I mean, a little more details. It's a game we should win, uh, and after last week, you know, it's a game where you should expect a pretty good performance from the Rams, and if it's another dud like this, then we do have a problem. You know, even if we win next week, if we win 14-10 to 10, uh, and look as bad as we did on offense in this game, there are big concerns, but I don't think that's going to happen. And you look at the schedule ahead, man. It's Washington, San Francisco, who is depleted right now and just lost to the Eagles, who we took care of pretty handedly. The Bears, who are okay, uh, but n- not great. Uh, another bad offense. And the Dolphins, uh, another bad offense. Uh, a scrappy team. You know, they're not the worst team we played during the stretch, but they're certainly not good. And then we go into the bye week. Like, we really should go into the bye week at 7-1. and one. Like, bad things would have to happen, or the 49ers would have to make miraculous strides uh, in their health. But to be fair, too, it's a divisional game. They could always go either way. It's in San Francisco. Uh, even though there's no fans, you know, you do have to travel there. So it's – like I would be stunned if we don't come out of this any worse than 6-2. and two. Or I, I would be stunned if that does happen. It's it's a very good problem to have, I got to say, uh, in a division that's going to be very competitive this year. Yeah, absolutely. The, this, is, uh, this is the time to get one over on the 49ers, uh, especially because they are hurting. But make no mistake, once – they get their you know at least some of their players back this is still a very good football team and it's not a terrible football team right now Uh, I don't know if you watched that game Uh, I caught the end of it last night against the Eagles Uh, Nick Nick Mullins threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen uh pick six and then CJ Beathard came in uh who probably should have been playing anyways and he he almost won them the game. Uh, he played really well when he subbed in. So they might be a different team under Beathard in Week Five. Uh, I don't know when Garoppolo is coming back. Do you know? Was he on the IR or is he just out? If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's on the IR, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm I'm gonna look here. Uh, he so he's. Like in contention to play week five, it looks like, but there's no, no confirmations. My my guess would be that if anything, our game is the game he comes back. But either way, you all know our thoughts on Jimmy G. I'm not that really. He's not the guy I'm concerned about coming back. It's more the the Nick Bosa's, the Richard Shermans of the world. Uh, they did get Debo Samuel back. I think they are going to get Raheem Mostert pretty soon. So. That'll be the toughest game of the stretch for sure, I think, depending on your feelings about Chicago. Mine are not high, um, but <laughs> I feel good right now. It's Even after this loss, it's 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 a good time to be a Rams fan, dare I say. Yeah, that that's pretty daring right now. Yeah, I um, but I guess to touch on Washington, I mean, things I'm looking for in this game – just a good offensive performance. Uh, this is not uh, – the Washington defense is not horrible, um, but they're also not great. Uh, if they have Chase Young back, that will obviously make a difference. But um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm going to predict a thir- – I don't know. After last week's stuff, I guess I'll go 27 to th- 14 victory for the Rams I'll say uh slightly less optimistic 24 13 I think that's fair uh I would love to see some stability from the backfield in this game I would love to see Daryl Henderson get the ball a lot Uh, I am trying to pull up the stats for the Washington football team defense so actually pretty good in terms of yards given up they're uh on average, they give up the seventh fewest yards on defense, the fourth fewest passing yards, and uh, run defense isn't great. They're they're about bottom ten. 
So when you look when you look at the quarterbacks they played, I mean it's it's uh, Carson Wentz, it's Kyler Murray, it's Baker Mayfield, and it's Lamar Jackson. So to have that highly ranked of a pass defense is is definitely a a, a, good, a good thing I would say for them. Uh, so it's it's not going to be a cakewalk, uh, but it also should be a game that we win in somewhat convincing fashion, given who we're playing. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I'm actually you know if Cam Akers is is uh, gonna play in this game or not, um, I'm thinking he is. If he plays, I think he's gonna. He's gonna make a come comeback story right here, um, especially considering the only game he really played in was less than impressive. So uh, this is a good time for him to shine. Let's hope so. Yeah, it's a good game for him to get opportunities. Uh, Terry McLaurin on the Washington side is one of my favorite young receivers in the league. So he's he might give us fits a little bit, but that's also good. Good. Uh, Gonna be a good test for Jalen Ramsey in that regard. Is is he the best receiver we've played this year? I'm trying to think. Stephon Diggs. It, it depends if you how you view like Amari Cooper. Oh yeah, I think he's the best receiver we've played. Uh, there's Stephon Diggs, like you mentioned. He, he's a pretty elite receiver. Yeah, I might rank them both ahead of uh, Scary Terry, but I do love Scary Terry. He and he's balling for them right now. No, nobody else really to give him anything. So, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, God, I wish we were in that division too, man. Jesus Christ, the Cowboys if are going to win Rams... it at like they're going to win it like five and eleven. I, I mean, if the Rams are in that division, there, there's no question they win. <laughs> they win even if they go eight and eight. You yeah. know, Jesus, like, like the good news is that the the Cardinals are looking a little worse. Then they did at the start of the year, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the the 49ers when they get fully healthy. But they might it might be a Super Bowl hangover year for them. Uh, and with seven playoff spots in in the NFL this year, I you know I think that I think a spot is ours to lose at this point, especially given you know what we said about the schedule for the Rams right now. And I uh, let me pull the long-term back schedule back up but uh like they like like we should really come out of this stretch with six wins and then at least we, we should come out with seven i think we'll be favored in every one of these games then you come back at the bye you have seattle tampa bay san francisco arizona new england the jets seattle and arizona so it's definitely tougher uh from there on out but if we come out of if we head into the bye week at seven and one, you know you could finish three and five in those last couple of games, and you're still going to make the playoffs. I think so. This is the time to get these wins against teams that we should be beating, uh, and just to put it bluntly, not play like we did on Sunday. Yeah, as long as they don't do that, I think they should be good heading into uh, their bye week. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Subaru Follow Johnny at Johnny Five Nine Six. Follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams, and be on the lookout for Rams Talk Radio Pod later in the week. And us to be back next week. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.